Changing your well-being can feel like a monumental task. We pressure ourselves to make big lifestyle changes. And perhaps not surprisingly, these big expectations are often not achievable and can then lead to self-criticism and less motivation to make the actual changes that we need. An alternative approach to behavioural change is to think small. Make tiny changes to your life that become habits. This idea, advocated by BJ Fogg in his book Tiny Habits, and Arianna Huffington at Thrive Global, is to make these behaviour changes so small and easy that they seamlessly become part of your routine. So what are microhabits and how can you use them for your well-being? Hello there. Welcome to episode 18 of Better Brain, Better You. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Webb. I'm so pleased that you can join me today. How are you? The lead up to Christmas is an exciting time of the year, but it can also be a stressful time for many people. Whether or not Christmas is part of your life, your well-being might be affected by it happening around you. It's a time of year that often puts extra pressure on us and can affect our well-being in lots of different ways. So I want to show you how to introduce small micro habits into your lifestyle to reduce stress and look after your well-being over the Christmas period and beyond into the new year. Before we get into how this approach works, I've put together a free guide on nine of the best micro habits for reducing the stress in your life. So you can grab the guide at ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash micro habits. That's ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash microhabits. It's completely free, so please do download it and start micromanaging the stress levels in your life. Okay, so a microhabit or a tiny habit as they're also called, is made up of three ingredients. First, you take any new habit you want and scale it back so that it's tiny. Let's say you want to learn how to meditate to reduce your stress levels. You might start by slowly breathing through your nose and out through your mouth for 30 seconds, let's say. You make it quick and simple, so you have no excuse not to do it. So even when you're in a rush or you oversleep or you're tired, it's so tiny that you can still do it. Second, you find where it fits naturally into your existing routine. So ask yourself, what does this habit come after in my normal routine? Meditation might come after breakfast or lunch or after you've dropped the kids at school. That might be the perfect time for you to take a few slow nasal breaths. Now you can meditate for longer if you want to, that's absolutely fine, but the habit is just tiny. You only take a few breaths, a few breaths if that's all you want to do. So the third ingredient, in addition to making it tiny and then using an existing routine to remind you of it, is to hack the stimulus response learning system in your brain. You do this by calling up a positive emotion, thinking of a nice memory, going to a happy place, celebrating whether that's fist pumps or singing Eye of the Tiger. Whatever it is that you know helps you to experience a positive feeling. That's what's really important. 
So I know this sounds a little bit contrived, but trying to elicit a positive emotion after you perform the new behavior actually makes a lot of sense to your brain because it helps to wire in the habit. The habits are controlled by a brain area called the striatum. And the striatum weighs up whether or not to repeat a behavior and form a habit from that behavior. So when you develop a new habit, the striatum takes control of that behavior by telling the conscious thinking part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, to stop controlling it. And to develop a new habit, you have to learn the relationship between your action and the subsequent outcome. And for this to work, you need a trigger, a behavior, and a reward. So in the case of meditating after breakfast, breakfast is your trigger to start your nasal breathing exercises and mindfulness. That's the behavior. And the pleasurable feeling you get from thinking of a nice memory or singing Eye of the Tiger, that's the reward. And the reward is signaled in your brain with a hit of dopamine that's released as you complete your meditative exercises. So with the right trigger and the right reward, most people will engage in almost any behavior. So that's why it's so important to find the right trigger, whatever the event is during your day, breakfast or dropping the kids off at school, whatever it is, and a reward that genuinely gives you a pleasurable feeling. And once a habit and reward are constantly tied together in your brain, the dopamine neurons will start firing before you even start meditating. And neuroscience has actually shown us that to make the habit stick, you need to repeatedly pair the behavior and the reward together for a couple of months. That seems like a long time, but that's why it's so important to make the habit small and easy to do so you can repeat it again and again, because people's motivation waxes and wanes over this sort of time period. And habits become ingrained in your brain by hijacking the stimulus response learning system, by helping you to connect certain behaviors with certain rewards. So every time you engage in a certain behavior that leads to a certain outcome, like meditating to give yourself a pleasurable feeling, the neural circuit that processes that behavior becomes more strongly connected. And the neural circuit becomes more and more ingrained in your brain. And over time, over up to about 60 days, that brain circuit fast tracks the information about the relationship between meditation and your pleasurable feeling. So you can use these micro habits to build up much bigger changes in your life. And as you make these small changes and feel successful, you start feeling successful about the way you think about yourself. That starts to change and your identity starts to change. So you begin to think, oh, I'm the kind of person who meditates or I'm the kind of person who runs regularly or even I'm the kind of person who eats a brain healthy diet. Even if it's just a super tiny as you start thinking of yourself in those ways, you find other opportunities to exercise or meditate or eat healthily. So the habit naturally propagates to other parts of your life. And when you learn how to feel good about your successes, no matter how small they are, then the changes, that changes how you think about yourself and your opportunities. And in the end, that's what leads to a transformation in your well-being. So give these micro habits a chance to become part of your routine. 
And if you want some help with micromanaging the stress in your life, I've put together a free guide on nine of the best micro habits for reducing stress levels. You can grab the guide at ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash microhabits. That's ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash microhabits. It's completely free, so please do go and download it. So I hope you found that useful and let me know how you're getting on with introducing these microhabits into your life to help with your well-being. I'd love to hear all about your experiences. That's it for this week, but we've got two special episodes coming up over the Christmas, over the Christmas period. So make sure you keep an eye out for those. Thanks for listening and tuning in today and I'll look forward to seeing you next time.